0: Uh, We are in our Together series, we've been looking at that, and um, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, we looked at this idea of Together, and we were looking at the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, we were looking at Great Commission and Great Commandment, and then we kind of looked at the missing point, was the Great Collaboration, where Jesus had prayed for us, and that we would be unified. And so it's not enough to just have the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, but we need to work in unity together. Pastor Mike brought to us last week, I'm going to say, a wonderful message on what does it mean to be together with God. So it starts inward first and begins to move outward. And so we looked at last week about the fact of being together with God. Today we're looking at we are better together as family, and that's what we're going to look at no surprise you know we don't always plan this out we're not that smart quite honestly Uh, that it happened to be Valentine's Day on Friday and now I know you call it Islander Day but a lot of Canadians call Monday what family day and so it just so happens that this Sunday we're preaching on together as family so God put that together we didn't we didn't plan that far ahead to think about it that way and so, and I want to say too, with the babies, don't worry about it. We're family, right? Glad you're here. That's where you should be. So I always, Pastor Mike used to always say, it's just little birds chirping, not to worry about it. And so we are family. And so here we are together. And, and the truth of it is, I don't know if you can see all that fine print, but the point is some families are a collection, unfortunately, of brokenness, pain. Divorce, abuse, alcoholism, drugs, suicide, loss, abandonment, rejection, and the list can go on and on. And so um, my own personal uh, struggle with my family was my mom was a single mom. So I know what that is like to be raised in a home that has suffered through divorce and I was just a young toddler when my mom and dad got divorced. My mom tried to get back with my father when she got back with him. They tried to make the marriage work. It didn't, it dissolved and now she was pregnant with my baby brother. And so now she was a single mom with two kids to raise. I could go into the stories, but, but I won't this morning. The fact is, I know what that is like. I also know the fact that, that uh, when I was at the age of 11, just turning 12, my mom remarried my stepfather, and so I have a, had a stepfather, and I still have step-siblings that are older than myself, and I know what it's like to be part of a blended family. I've been around that. And I'm going to say something, and I'm not saying it in any way to promote that lifestyle, but Pastor Mike and I lived together before we got married, when we were outside of Christ. So I know what it's like to be in a common law relationship. So I've kind of experienced almost all of it. But praise God for his grace. Praise God for his transformation. Praise God that he got hold of me, and despite going through all of that, that I want to encourage you this morning that despite we're talking about family, together as a family, no matter what walk of life, no matter what you've been through or what you're going through, God understands and is reaching out to you this morning. And so... I realized that I had been through that. And you know, I give God the praise this morning for his grace and for his help and helping myself even as Pastor Mike and I tried to uh, live a life together before Christ as a married family, a married couple and family, but then to have Christ come into our home and the difference that he made in our relationship and our family life. But some do get to grow up in a home where both parents loved each other. Some people do get to grow up in a home where both parents loved each other and loved God. Amen to it. If that's been your experience, you should celebrate it. Some people have gotten to grow up in a home where siblings, yeah, they quarrel and fight and pick on each other, but they know what it is to love each other, and they know what it is to love God. That is, that is our desire for all families. This week, we're looking at what does it mean to love others, In particular, our family. And God knows our families are better together. That's his plan. That's his, you know, Pastor Mike was talking about mercy and grace. There is mercy and grace for everyone. For no matter what situation you find yourself in. But it is better together. And our passage of Scripture is a familiar passage. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Father, we pray today now that as we look at this familiar passage, that you would help us to glean from it. That you would help us not just to listen but to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to each one of us individually and what you are saying to us corporately as the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene. Thank you for everyone that is gathered here today. I don't believe it is by coincidence that they are here this Sunday. I believe it's a divine appointment with God. And so now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do with this words that I am trying to share That you would take it, how you do that I do not understand. But take my words and use them for the furthering of your kingdom, right here we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We see in this passage that Jesus was asked by the Jewish leaders, after having 613 commandments of the law that they were trying to fulfill all the time, can you imagine getting up in the morning and reading 613 commandments that you are supposed to fulfill today? Praise God for Jesus. <laughs> Praise God for grace. <laughs> and so they're trying to entrap Jesus. They always try to entrap him with these questions. And so Jesus sits, you know, often he answered a question with a question, But in this situation, he actually answers them, and he says he sums up the 613 into two. Two commandments. To love God and love others. Right there, it's been hanging on the wall. Love God and love others. That's what it should be. Now, you know, what's interesting is Uh, Jesus is the one who literally fulfills these commandments. In the fact of his arrest and trial and crucifixion, he fulfilled what it looks like to fully love God and to obey him and what he showed when, I love that song, says it was written in red. I love you, I love you, it was written in red. When Jesus was crucified, he showed us what it meant and what it looked like to love others, to be willing to lay our lives down, for others and so the jews that were listening to jesus we don't hear anywhere that they didn't agree with jesus when he narrowed it down to these two here's the bigger question we can know it it's another thing to live it maybe we would be willing to admit this morning that we don't always love god the way we should Maybe we would be willing to be honest enough today to admit that we really don't always love each other, family forever, (laughs) that we don't really love each other the way we should. Somebody wisely said, these are not orders to be obeyed in your own strength. You will not be able to do it, but it is an invitation and the promises of a new life together in Christ Jesus that when God gets hold of our hearts, when God gets hold of our lives, we begin to delight in loving God and we begin to delight in loving each other. I hope you do, I pray you do. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And so I've said this often, you can look at the sample of the cross, the loving God, which Pastor Mike did last week, is the vertical, and the loving of each other is the horizontal, the cross even symbolizes that. And so when Jesus says, live the cruciform life, the crucified life, it is loving God and loving each other. It sounds so simple, man has complicated it. When you think about it, it is so simple, love God and love others, that is our calling, that is what Jesus exemplified, that is what the cross has done for us. Now I want to say something before we go on about family today. Hear me right, even though we're concentrating on family, I want you to hear that singles are complete in Christ. You don't need to have a spouse on your arm to complete you. You are complete in Christ Jesus just the way you are. I also want to say before we move on that there are many forms of family that there are single parents, there are blended families, there are all kinds of families, and they all come under the lordship of God and are loved by God, and God can work in any situation. We have said that. But today we are stopping for a moment and we're looking at what does it mean to be a family of God. I love what somebody said, that family is mission critical, You want to fulfill the mission of God and it's great to go over there and fulfill the mission, but the mission needs to be fulfilled right here in your family, in your home. Love that statement. Our greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. That's powerful. Jeff Jeff and Sherry Surat said, your ministry is better when your family is best. That's a powerful statement too. Your ministry is better when your family is best. I can confess today that we were under the old school that you just did everything for the church and everything for God at the expense of your own family. That is not biblical and that is not the way it should be. Because it starts first with your heart and life with God. But now the loving of others, there's no point going down the street and loving the neighbor there when you don't even love the ones in your same household. It is lived out and practiced at home in your own household before we can share the mission with anyone else. Here's another important statement. You're going to get lots of important statements today. (laughs) This, we're not talking today about a family who has it all together. Any altogether families here today? No, not one hand went up. Did you notice that? Look around. Any altogether families here today? No, because the truth of it is none of us have it all together. None of us have it all together. No family is perfect. No family will ever be perfect. None of us have it all together. But here's the secret of today what we're looking at. We can be a together family. Did you get that? We don't have it all together. That's why we need Jesus. (laughs) That's why we need grace. That's why we need forgiveness. We don't have it all together, but we can be a together family. And so how do we become a together family? What are some of the things we can do? And we're gonna look at some four practical things today that we can do to be a together family. Not to be an all together family, but a together family. These are some that they have found is what actually helps build a family unit into becoming this together family. Believe it or not, I didn't have time to repeat all of this that I was looking at this week, but studies have shown this. Studies have shown this, that a together family has these four factors. Some of you would say, well, Pastor, I don't even have a family yet But this is something you can be already thinking about for the future. Some of you would say, well, pastor, I've raised my family. Well, then you can be praying for the young families around you and the ones within your own family. There is different ways how this can affect all of us. The first one, no surprise, God. A family of faith. A family centered around faith. The number one value correlated to creating a family of warmth and togetherness is faith. Just a little story. After the dedication of his baby brother in church, little Johnny sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times, what was wrong? Finally, the boy replied, that pastor said he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home and I want to stay with you guys. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes. Fuller Youth Institute did a study, and they found out that families in which children and parents felt close were more likely to be families in which children adopted the faith of the parents. We live in a day where faith is a very small, minute part of our culture and our world, but studies have proven that faith at the center of a home can make all the difference in that together family. We must value our faith in God. Therefore, we should not expect our children to get, come to a place where they no longer need to attend church we should be ones who say no, church is the center of our family life. Faith is the center of our family life. You need to experience worship in God. Somebody wisely said, if you do not teach your children to worship God as the center of the universe, they think they're the center of the universe. I've met some kids who think they're the center of the universe. They're not too pleasant to be around. <laughs> Bracton. We'll have a talk later, Bracton. <laughs> Right, they just think everything centers around them. No, you need to teach children the experience of worship that we worship a God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that is worthy of our praise and worship. And so we need to give our children opportunities to worship. They said the other part was we need to give our children opportunities to small group experience. It might be a Sunday school class. It might be a midweek program. But something where they can gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ at a small young age. They need to understand and enjoy this sense of community. And like we saw the children today giving out, that wasn't planned either, but giving out the chocolates and the cards. Our children need to learn to serve, not that you have to wait to become an adult to serve the body of Christ. Children want to serve. It's when they get older they say, meh, (laughs) you want me to do what? Children delight in serving, just watch them. We've had those experiences this past church year of seeing the kids serve, and they've done amazing things in our church That's so much so people in the community are talking about it because children need those opportunities to serve. And so faith has to be the center. If you're going to be a together family, that needs to be the center. And so all of this should not be optional We've often said going to work, getting up in the morning is not optional if you want a paycheck. Uh, We don't usually make it optional unless there's a snowstorm for our kids to go to school. And So why is it all of a sudden when it comes to the things of faith, it's optional? It shouldn't be. It should be the center of our faith if we are going to be a together family. Here's another one, Pastor Mike didn't know uh, that some of the things he said today is similar in the call to worship in the psalm he used as this one. This is our role, tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. It is our responsibility to take our faith and pass it on to the next generation. And so we look at God as number one. Why did we jump to Three. I got maybe have the wrong number there. Actually, that should say two, marriage, not three. Marriage, I can't count either, so there you go. Number three, number three. Yeah, maybe, maybe Newfoundland is number three. Uh, marriage, for those that are married, we love being together as a couple. A pastor was visiting the fourth grade Sunday school class to talk about marriage as part of the lesson. He asked the class, what does the Bible say about marriage? Immediately, one little boy at the back replied, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. (laughs) You can't ask kids, I'll tell you. You'll You'll get the answers. We've heard the statement that the most important thing a father can do for his children is love their mother. So important to say that also for the mother. It's it's true for both. That it is that love for our spouse that is one of the greatest things we can do. I told you about my upbringing, and I've even shared in marriage prep that I had no tools in my toolbox. So I never saw a husband and wife interact together. I just didn't know. And so when I went to my toolbox, it was empty. God help Pastor Mike. We worked, we've worked through it. He had tools. I don't know if I liked his tools, but he had tools in his toolbox. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's your children will, this is serious stuff when you start to think about it, your children will model your marriage in years to come. The way that you, that's, that's what they have. That's what they've seen. And, and so it's important for us to realize if you want to do something very well for your children and grandchildren, it is to show them what a loving relationship between a man and a woman looks like. I've shared with a few that your spouse must come first in your home. Now that's not always popular with people. But I believe that it's your spouse that you are going to be married to once the kids are grown and raised. And so it is your spouse that should come first in your relationship over your kids and your children's needs. I know Pastor Mike and I didn't have a lot of money and a lot of time, but sometimes we would just go to Timmy's and have a coffee together without the kids. We used to do date night up in Oakville. We provided date night on Friday nights. We did a VBS program, and they let parents go off and have a night alone. There was a lot of them that had no support system around them. One time it was very funny, because there was about seven or eight couples that dropped off their kids, and they all came back, and we said, well, where did you go, McDonald's? (laughs) And what did you do tonight? We went shopping at Walmart. And I went, what? What? And they said, you know what it's like to go to McDonald's without kids and what it's like to shop at Walmart without kids? It's just wonderful that you gave us this opportunity that we could do this. It's it's so important that you invest in all of your child-rearing years. It's so important that you put each other first and your family around you sees that you are that strong union that they have come from that. It brings a balance into the home. Now, here's the big question. Do you love being together with your spouse? You should. Now, we're together all the time. I closed the door last night and worked in the craft room doing some quilting just to give us a bit of space. Yeah. Check it in on me. How you doing? What you doing? <laughs> what is the greatest challenge to loving being together? Well, some thought it's compatibility. Others think, well, maybe it's not very good communication skills. Maybe they thought it's about being both emotionally healthy. Now, all of those things are important. But the one thing that Dr. John got and distinguished the factor that keeps marriages together is this. How to resolve conflict. How to resolve that conflict resolution in the home and in the marriage. That is the greatest challenge for marriages. Now, I had no tools in my toolbox. Told you that. So all of a sudden, I marry an Italian. A loud Italian. That the whole family's loud. When they talk on the phone, they scream at each other. Right? And I walk into this situation with no tools in my toolbox, and now he wants to have an argument with me, and guess where I run to? I used to run to the bedroom and lock the door. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do. I was like, this is not supposed to happen. This is not the fairy tale. This is not the king (laughs) that came, the prince riding on a white horse to take me away and be happily ever after. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And so the interesting thing is Pastor Mike came knocking on that door and he says, you come out here right now and we're going to have this discussion. And so I learned how to come out and deal with conflict. He says he wishes I had stayed in sometimes now behind the <laughs> locked door. <laughs> he said one of the worst things he ever did was call me out of that bedroom. <laughs> but it is crucial and key that we learn as couples. And you know, it's true for anyone. Maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm not married. But I, I, I would think that you're going to have conflict in your life and you need to learn how to uh, resolve conflict in a healthy way. And so they said that in order to be a together family, that they found this resolving of conflict was a key. Now, we've heard it often. we do it in marriage prep. Seventy percent of conflict in marriages are on four topics: in-laws. Somebody joked. In-laws, in-laws, in-laws and in-laws. But <laughs> in-laws, money, sex and children. But here is the key. Ephesians four twenty six reminds us that in our anger we are not to sin. Not that it's wrong to have conflict, not that it's 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 something sinful to be in conflict. The truth of it is we are all different. You are attracted to someone opposite to you. You notice that? We say that opposites attract. So that means they think different than you. They act different than you. Their family background is probably different than you. And so you can almost expect that there will be conflict. And there are times when we will get disappointed and hurt and angry. Nothing wrong with that. But we are not to allow it to turn to sin. That's the difference. That's what God is saying to us. I love this statement. I'm going to say it twice, and I think you need to listen to this statement. In my anger, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I will not give in to the urge to hurt my spouse or win an argument by saying or doing hurtful things. The truth of it is this gift that God has given to you called your spouse, your husband, your wife is someone you're supposed to cherish, someone you're supposed to honor, someone you're supposed to respect. Do you remember saying those vows in front of the family and friends? That's what it's all about. And so I'll say it again. In my anger with the help of the Holy Spirit, I will not give into the urge to hurt my spouse or win an argument by saying or doing hurtful things. Conflict resolution is so important in marriages. If we're going to be a family that is together, a together family. Then there is identity. That's the third factor. A family needs to know who they are together to be a family who is clear about who they are in Christ, their values, their identity. Who are we as a family? Here's a question to think about. What would others say tonight, today, if I was to ask them about your family, what would they say is your family values? I thought that was a hard question. If people were to come and say about this family or that family, what do they value? What would people say? Say we need to be uh, at a place intentionally that we know what our values are and our identity and who we are as a family. We need to be able to articulate it and communicate it. We had uh, our family, not saying our family, remember no family is perfect. Our family didn't have it all together, but just a couple examples. We would say the Zetas do or the Zetas don't do as raising our children. For example, one of the things that we had in our family is the Zetas do not lie. We'd make that known to the children. The Zetas do not lie. So this idea that you're going to call in sick to school or you're going to call in to work but you are perfectly healthy and fine, we don't do. Now there's conviction falling over the church because the Zetas, we don't lie. We tell the truth. Another statement our family would have is, we had our youngest was quite a whiner. He loved to whine. And so we said, Zetas, don't whine. So our statement was, why whine when you can shine? At one point, I found a t-shirt somewhere down the States when we went on a trip and brought it back and it had whining on the front with a red line, red circle and line through it. We made him wear it. That was something for us as our family. That was our values. We just believed that. We articulated that. I wish we had done it. I wish we had sat down as a family, and I believe that you can do that. It's not too late to sit down as a family. For some who have little ones, for some that maybe they're even in their teens, why not sit down as a family and say, this is what our identity is. This is what we value. Not your friends down the street. This is what our family values. Might be just four or five statements. Put it on your fridge. Put it somewhere that you can see it. Articulate it and communicate it. They found that families that were together, together families, had a strong sense of identity. And the fourth item was they found that families that do life together were strong families. The ones who spent time together. Do you know this is one of the things that's under the greatest attack? Is all of us finding time for those things that are important for us? Finding time for our family? Now hear me right, this is not you in the car being a taxi driver, driving your kids or grandkids from one event to another. This is spending quality time together. Dean Inge said, No nation has ever prospered in which family life was not held sacred. What we're seeing more and more in our day is that we might see people sitting at the same table. Have you watched it lately? When you're out around in restaurants? But they're not together. There are people living under the same roof, but they're not together. I always say, often I've said in marriages, when I do the ceremony, the wedding ceremony, I will say, How do we spell love? T I M E. Because you spend time with those things and those individuals that you love. You want to be together, you spend time together, quality time. It might mean that your family is going to have to say yes to some things and no to some in order to have that quality time together. This is an important study. Studies have shown children who eat dinner with their families have larger vocabularies, better manners, higher self-esteem, and more resilience. That's something. So one of the best things you can do for your family is sit down at a table and eat a meal together. Sounds like it's been around a lot of years. We're so worried about tutoring and all these things because they have to succeed so well. And yet science is saying that the best thing you can do for your children is sit at a table together. The University of Michigan found meal times a child shares with a family at home was the single strongest predictor of high academic achievement scores. That one blew me away. So they can tell when, you, uh, when a university, those that were doing well academically, were brought from homes that were together, who spent meal time together. And what is everything in our world trying to do? Take us away from table time together. Now you might say, Pastor, Supper doesn't work for us. Well, maybe have snacks together, or maybe it's to have breakfast together. Somehow, you need to find a way that your family can spend time together in the rhythm called life. You're going to hear it. You've heard it all over the place. It's nothing new. I wish I had one of those lock boxes for phones. I would have used it if I had known about that. I got, uh, I, I took two of my children one time out to the keg for a nice dinner, appreciation dinner, and I sat there by myself looking at the wall as they had their heads like this. Now, of course, they knew not to put the phone on top of the table, but it was down under the table. And that was my nice dinner at the keg. We were there, but we weren't together. And so one of the things, and you know what? Hey, adults, ours need to go in the box too. Because it's not just kids with their phones or young people with their phones. Adults are just as bad with their phones. And so maybe it's to take a day that you're just unplugged for a whole day. We used to do that with our family. That's before all this other stuff. Uh, take a day, unplug. Do something weekly with your kids. Play with them. Connect with them. Have fun together. It's so important. I love watching on Facebook some of the families in our church and connected with our church off doing awesome things together. You are making a difference by spending time with your family. And then yearly, just unplug and connect somewhere on vacation, get away. So daily connect with your family. Uh, Weekly have fun and connect with your family. Yearly, go away on vacation. You hear what the pastor said? Go away on vacation. It's a godly thing to do. Now you might say, pastor, that's great, but I can't afford it. Well, I'll tell you, you can find, I can help you find a cheap tent on Kijiji. I did it. We couldn't afford it. I'll tell you one thing. God blessed us with people who had a cottage and let us use it as a family. That's why we had vacation. God blessed our family with that. But when we couldn't do it, I found a cheap tent, and we went tenting. We did whatever we had to do. Now, we left Pastor Mike at home (laughs) because he wouldn't come. But I'd pitch the tent, and just a side joke, everything was black. Black t-shirts, black socks, black shorts, black everything, black dishcloth, black towel. It was awesome. You go like this in the dishpan, hanging up, laundry's done for the week. It was wonderful. Great memories. Memories that last a lifetime. You need to connect with your family. That's the gift that God has given you. To be this together family, you need to be Together. We've had a lot of fun this morning, but I believe there's a lot of truth in what has been shared today. Our families are better when we are together. Now, hear me right we're not a family who has it all together, but God's desire is for us to be together families. You know, that is done through these factors that we talked about today, these important factors of having God and faith at the center of our home, investing in our marriage and wanting to be together and spending our lives together as a couple and learning how to deal with conflict in a godly way. It is looking at our identity as a family. What are our values? Who are we in Christ? And it is that wonderful word, T-I-M-E, spending time together. As I bring this to a close and ask the worship team to come, Theodore Roosevelt, who was the president, said in 1917, no other success in life, not being president or being wealthy or going to college or writing a book or anything else comes up to the success of a man or a woman who can feel that they have done their duty and that their children and grandchildren rise up and call them blessed. That's a man who made it to the highest office in the U.S. as president. And he said that did not compare to having his children and grandchildren rise up and call him blessed. It is the greatest gift that God can give us. A little boy was talking to his daddy one time and he said, Dad, where were you born? He said, well, I was born in Kentucky. He said, well, where was mother born? He said... Well, she was born in Indiana. He said, well, where was I born? He said, you were born in Georgia. He said, well, where was baby sister born? He said, she was born in Alabama. Little boy paused for a moment, and then he broke out into a huge grin and said, Dad, isn't it great that God got us all together? My friends, there's nothing like a family together. It is one of the greatest gifts that God has given all of us. And so as you come and stand to your feet, and we sing this closing song, I am aware, as I shared right at the beginning, that your family is probably not perfect. Perfect. I am aware this morning that there are people here that have not had the positive family experience. There are those that have uh, gone through the pain of divorce. There There are those that have been in homes that were not raised the way that God would have them be raised. I'm also aware today that just because you came to church today and you dressed and looked great doesn't mean that everything is so great at home. I'm also aware that marriages can love each other but still be struggling with the real life issues of today. And I realize we live in a day where raising children is not easy. Now in the truth of all of this, we're not talking about you doing this in your own strength. We're talking about you releasing it to God and God giving you the power to do it his way. If God has called you to do something as a family, God can give you the empowerment to live it out. And so I'm going to challenge you as we sing this closing song. No one else needs to know what's going on in your situation while you're coming forward. Maybe it's your desire that you're not even married yet and you want to make sure that you have a marriage, that you do it God's way. I'm going to invite you to come and stand at the front of the church, not as a sign to me, but as a sign to him that you are saying, I want, we have a good family, but I want to be a together family. And I want God's help to help us to do so. I, I, I have a good marriage, but I want a better marriage. Do you realize that God can do that? I've experienced it. Praise God, hallelujah. And so as we sing this closing song, I invite you to come. Ask God to come and empower you and help you. Some of you might just say, Pastor, I'm a grandparent. My heart's heavy for my grandchildren. Bring them to the Lord. Let us close this service and let's pray together. God bless you as you come.